Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome or welcome back to the Thoughts That Manifest podcast. I'm your host, Elle, and I am a mindset and manifestation coach who aims to inspire you to awaken your mind to the limitless potential that is within you. I hope you all are feeling fantastic today. I have officially had 29 trips around the sun, and I have entered my final year of my 20s. And I have to say, your 20s, I feel like brings you the most growth. I feel like I have learned so much over the past nine years, and I've been doing a lot of reflecting, you know, on where I was at 20 to where I am now. And half of the things that I accomplished back then, I truly did not think it would be possible. I had many tears, many laughs, a lot of adventures, And I feel like I was able to find my voice and embrace who I truly want to be. So I thought that what I would dedicate this episode to is sharing some of my most valuable lessons that I've learned in my 20s, while also sharing what I hope to accomplish with my last year in my 20s, as well as share some helpful tips for setting and actually achieving your goals for 2023. I'm also going to be talking about your personal year number and how that's going to impact you and so much more. So if you're ready to jump into today's episode and finally set and accomplish those intentions for 2023, then let's get into it. by talking about 2023 intentions and how to make the best out of this new year. So for me, I like to go into every new year knowing the numerology of the year. I also like to choose a word to represent my year and I like to create a vision board to help inspire me, right? So for the collective, it's a year number seven. This is a very spiritual number. With Saturn moving into Pisces in March, I feel like there's going to be a lot more spiritual awakenings within the collective, a lot more people doing self-reflection and the inner work to heal. There could be a lot of creativity, a focus on, you know, the arts, the creative arts, right? And I just feel like a lot more people are going to be more inspired to do the inner work and heal. So if you have Saturn in Pisces, you'll be coming up on your Saturn return. I'm finishing mine currently. Saturn always comes in to teach us valuable lessons to help us grow. And at times, you know, these lessons can feel so painful or very frustrating, but It always rewards patience and dedication to growth, okay? So just keep that in mind. Another thing to pay attention to with Saturn in Pisces would be to notice how are you trying to escape your reality? Pisces energy can be very daydreamy. It can be very escapist, okay? It can be, um, you know, us trying to figure out what we do to distract ourselves from our own problems, from our day-to-day reality, whether it's through drinking or through, you know, social media, watching TV, playing video games, what are you doing that is a form of escaping that is also a form of, I guess, self-soothing in some way, but could also be self-sabotaging your growth. 
So I think in 2023, it's going to be so beneficial to get to the root of our problems, figure out why we might indulge in certain things, whether, you know, it be the drinking, the escaping through TV, video games, etc., and just be honest with ourselves and ask what problems or wounds are we trying to avoid or run away from. I also think it would be very important to work towards connecting with our intuition, strengthening the bond that you have with yourself so that you can really find that self-trust and follow your inner compass. I have a few podcast episodes on this topic that you can go back to listen to if you do struggle to connect with your intuition, but I really do think that that's going to be very important in 2023 and moving forward while Saturn is in Pisces. So the next thing Pisces and Saturn and Pisces might have us really taking a look at would be the illusions within our life or, you know, the illusions as the as a collective, especially within power structures. We should take the time to really reflect and ask ourselves, where are we possibly being deceived? Where are we putting people on a pedestal in our life and not seeing them for who they really are? Maybe we're wearing rose-colored glasses, right? Where do we need to set more boundaries? These are going to be some of the themes and areas of our life that we need to keep in mind, okay, for the next three-ish years or so. So, Let's talk about setting intentions and how to actually stick to them. Because let's be honest, sticking to New Year resolutions can be hard as hell, right? Like, how many times have I set goals for the new year and completely just did not follow through? Way too many times to count. And why is this? Why do we struggle to accomplish the goals that we set for ourselves? Well, the first reason usually is being that we want to do it all. We have this goal of getting our shit together. So we start thinking of literally every single way that we can transform our life and accomplish this. But here's, you know, the thing, right? Let's say all of a sudden I decide, all right, 2023, it's time to get my shit together. I'm going to wake up every day by 7 a.m. I'm going to work out for 45 minutes every other day. I'm going to eat healthier, cut out soda, no more wine, sweets only on Sundays. And I start making this list of everything that I want to do starting as soon as the new year hits. And all of these things that we weren't doing before, we start trying to do and we let go of things that were familiar to us. So all of a sudden, it's like a shock to our system. Suddenly, our body is like, uh, what's going on? You know what I mean? Like, it gets overwhelmed by the sudden shift of your entire lifestyle, which then leads to burnout. And then slowly, we start forgetting about the goals that we set because we just cannot keep up with it which is why it's so important to start small with your goals. You know, we want to aim so high right away, but doing too much all at once is not going to work. You're going to crash and burn yourself out. So what I like to do is I will sit down and I will write out my top five big goals for the year. So for example, maybe my five big goals look something like this. You know, number one, creative project to go alongside my podcast. Number two, connect more with my divine feminine energy, live more in flow. Number three, create a healthier lifestyle for myself. Number four, network more. Number five, create more structure and routine. So 
if these are my overall goals that I care most about, I now want to go back and basically dissect each goal and break it down into smaller, actionable habits. Because setting goals is not going to do anything for me. It's the habits that I create and put into practice that support my goals that actually matter the most. So if I started with goal number one, for example, a creative project to support my podcast, well, the first habit, the first step into achieving this goal would be to sit down and brainstorm creative project ideas. Whether it's a course, a service that I can offer, a book, writing more blog posts, I would just brainstorm all of these ideas for the creative project. Then I would select one, not all of them, right? Because sometimes I wanna do everything at once, but no, I just wanna select one idea that stands out to me the most and start writing out the habits that I would need to implement in order to make this happen. Maybe it's starting off by dedicating 30 minutes a day to working on this creative project, or you know, maybe it's setting up a base plan. What do I wanna name this creative project? And then go from there. And I want to create all of these little actionable habits that will help me achieve that one overall goal. And you know what, maybe I have to start smaller and do 30 minutes every other day working towards this goal and then increase as I get used to working on this goal. Just like if you were to set a goal to wake up three hours earlier than you normally would, don't start by immediately waking up three hours earlier every day. That's a shock to your body. You have to start small. Start by waking up 15 minutes earlier, then as you get used to that, move to 30 minutes, then an hour. You have to ease yourself into the changes that you wanna make in your life. I think the problem that we face is that we think we need to accomplish these goals overnight. And we can have a very all or nothing mindset when it comes to our goals. You know, if you fall off, it's like the end of the world and now the goal is out the door, but that's not true. Don't beat yourself up when you miss a day or you have a slip up because that's inevitable. We are not perfect, it happens. And likewise, you need to ease your way into the goal or habit change. Don't just go all in with the goal and completely overwhelm yourself. That's usually why we cannot achieve or stick to the goals that we set. It's the overwhelm of trying to do it all at once. I also think that you wanna try to make it easier for yourself when it comes to achieving your goals. By doing things your future self will thank you for. So for example, let's say you want to wake up earlier. How can you make this easier for you to accomplish? Well, what about having your alarm across your room so you're actually forced to physically get out of bed to turn it off? Sometimes it's difficult to wake up early because we don't wanna get out of bed. But this habit, right? Creating, you know, putting the alarm across the room. This is a habit that supports the goal because you are forced to get out of bed to turn it off and you are already one step further than if you just hit the snooze button on your bedside table. Maybe you want to journal more. Well, to make it easier, make sure you put your journal next to your coffee maker that you use every day so that you're reminded to use it. You want to make sure you're putting things essentially in the way of what you're already doing daily. So it's kind of like habit stacking, I believe, is what it's referred to. Read the book Atomic Habits. Definitely a good one to check out for changing and creating better habits for yourself. But essentially, you just want to make it easier for you to remember the change, the habit shift that you want to make. 
If you want to eat healthier, have a list of healthy meals on the fridge that you are forced to see daily so you're reminded to make those healthier meals. Anything that will help you remember your goals and your habits, that's what you are trying to achieve and implement. That is what's key here. And sometimes it just takes the action to really get the momentum going. A lot of us are procrastinators at heart. A lot of this stems from just perfectionism or fear of failure. You think, well, if I don't actually do it, then my excuse can be that I didn't give it my all. I didn't put in the effort to really try it out. So therefore, I didn't actually fail. So those are the fears that can self-sabotage us. And a lot of us want to wait until we're inspired to take that action. But sometimes you can't wait for that spark. You have to create that spark on your own. And you do that through taking action. There's been so many times where I'm just not motivated to want to do literally anything. I tell myself I have to clean my house, but I just don't want to. But as soon as I start, I can't stop. I get pumped up and then I can move through the chores, the tasks, the mundane tasks, I should say, and really just get into it because I started and I built that momentum up. Taking action and just doing it will create the momentum that you need to get the job done. It's really just that one step you need to take that can initiate the motivation within you and the momentum within you. And what can you do to, I guess, romanticize the action that you need to take, right? How can you make it more enjoyable? Like for instance, when I want to brainstorm content ideas, I put on jazz music because it just helps me get into flow. When I clean my house, I put on a YouTube video or a podcast episode to listen to while I get the job done. Sometimes I'll actually watch people on YouTube cleaning and organizing their home And that will actually help me feel more motivated to want to do the same. Now, the twist I like to make when it comes to setting yearly goals is to look at my personal year number because the numerology of your year can tell you a little bit about what you might experience during that year. To get your personal year number, you want to add your birth month and your date as well as the year that it is until you get a single digit number or the number 11. So for example, for me this year, 2022, I add December 13th, 2022 together. One plus two plus one plus three plus two plus zero plus two plus two, which then gives me the number 13. Then I add the one plus three and get the number four. So I had a personal year number four in 2022. Personal year number four is all about creating solid structures, finding routines that work for you, you know, that will help aid you with your goals, creating stability and foundations. It's a very serious energy. There's not many surprises or excitement. It's a year where you put in the work, but you don't always see results. So it's a year of patience and discipline. And I had to keep that in mind throughout the year because there were so many times where I would work so hard on things, but would not see any results. However, in my mind, I had to just keep telling myself, you know, I'm creating this foundation and my personal year number five will then bring in the change that I need and the unexpected opportunities that are being built off of this foundation that I've created. Because in 2023, I'm going to have a personal year number five. 
Five is the numerology for change. A lot of changes and shifts usually take place during a year number five. Sometimes people adventure more, they travel more, there's a lot of new opportunities and experiences, sometimes you meet new people, and hopefully you'll start seeing reward for your efforts during the personal year number four. So I figured I'll just go through quickly what each personal year number means or what you can expect based on the personal year number that you're going to have. So for example, a personal year number one, one is all about new beginnings. A cycle has completed. There's a lot of initiations this year. There's a bit of independence. Maybe there's a goal that you want to accomplish that reflects back your independent side. Maybe a business goal, a creative project. There's possibly something new that is interesting you. And it's a year of courage, really tuning into your confidence to actually go after the goals that you have and the new beginnings that are at your doorstep. For a personal year number two, this is a slower moving year as well. Divine timing could be at play. You could feel more sensitive than usual. There's a focus on partnership and relationships and this need to find balance within your relationships specifically. For a personal year number three, this is a very creative energy. You want to make sure you're asking yourself, what is it that I want? And then go after it. It's a fun year. There could be a lot that you're creating or doing, perhaps parties and celebrations, collaborations, something that you've been wanting to create, this would be a great time to do so. Don't be afraid to tap into your hobbies more. Then the personal year number four that I mentioned already about managing your time, your energy, paying attention to your health, experiencing delays, setbacks, challenges. You may feel restricted in some way, a lot of hard work, but eventually it will lead to a big breakthrough moment if you continue to just manage your time wisely and work towards your goals regardless of the limitations that you feel. Because then the personal year number five comes in and brings some unexpected opportunities and change and breakthrough and freedom from the restriction that you are feeling. Then a personal year number six, this has a focus on responsibility to the home and family. You may find that home and family is a big focus. Sometimes people move during this year or they have to show up for their family in big ways. People might seek out your guidance if you have, you know, this wisdom or insight that helps them through their own personal struggles or issues that they're going through. You may welcome someone new into your family, maybe like a baby, or sometimes you realize what you truly want in relationships and you let go of those that are toxic or draining your energy. There's also a lot of healing that can take place when it comes to matters of the heart and family. Then a personal year number seven would be a very spiritual year with a lot of self-reflection and going within. This year could test your faith in big ways, finding and cultivating inner peace and a lot of spiritual growth. Then personal year eight, this is very abundant energy. There is often achievement, material gain in some way, reward, status, success, personal power. There could be a significant goal that you end up achieving, some sort of power that you will just feel it within you. That's if you are working on your mindset to go alongside this because mindset is key. With a personal year number nine, this is the year before completion. 
So you'll want to attend to any unfinished business, let go of the old, make space for the new, anything that you have outgrown, including relationships, that will probably dissolve and you'll be able to welcome the energy of your personal year number one, new beginnings. And on occasion, you may have a personal year number 11, which is a master energy. It's a master number. During this year, you receive a lot of insight and many go through a spiritual awakening during this personal year number. This was the year that I began mine and first came across tarot and astrology and really dived deep into connecting with my intuition. And it can also be an extremely emotional year, but it teaches you so much about yourself, who you are, what you're meant to do, who you want to be. It's like reconnecting with your soul. There's a lot of self-discovery and self-awareness that happens during this year. So that's a little bit about your personal year numbers and how you can use that energy to help you set goals and to help aid that energy moving forward. And also, I really hope that those tips are helpful to help you really set and achieve obtainable goals in 2023 without burning yourself out. But let's just switch gears a little because now I'm going to share nine lessons that I learned in my 20s that I think everyone should take with them moving forward, especially if you're about to enter your Saturn return. If you have your natal Saturn in Pisces, then your Saturn return is up next. I feel like these lessons that I've learned in my 20s really help with going through Saturn returns. All right, so number one, make peace with your past so that it does not ruin your present. This has truly been life-changing for me, and it took me so long to come to peace with what happened in my past in so many different areas of my life, right? Because I didn't realize that the resentment that I held onto from the past was actually self-sabotaging my present moments. It's really easy to take our past pains and project them onto other people around us who weren't even a part of that pain to begin with. Like when you go through a toxic relationship with someone and then when you finally move on to a new relationship, You're projecting all the past pain from your previous relationship onto this new partner, which is not fair at all to them because they're not the ones that hurt you. You usually end up self-sabotaging that connection due to pushing this person away. You know what I mean? That's just one example. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by the dog that's outside barking, so don't mind that. But yeah, so essentially just when you're still at war with your past, you will struggle to find peace in your present moments because you are holding on to pain from the past so tightly. And I was guilty of this for many years. And in my 20s, it was something that I really had to learn to work through. Realizing that the past is in the past. I can't go back. I can't rewrite it. There's nothing I can do to change the outcome of what happened. All that's left to do is learn from what I went through, take those lessons with me as I move forward, and to just see each relationship in my life separately from past relationships that hurt me. Which again, that's really hard to do. But the more self-awareness you gain, the easier it becomes because you start realizing that everything starts from within. Cultivating that inner peace is what's going to bring that peace to your present moments. The world is your inner reflection. Number two, no one that hurt me 
is going to come back and fix the pain or the wound that they've caused, right? No one's going to come back and fix my problems. Nobody's going to come back and save me from anything that happened to me. And this one cuts deep, but it's true. I waited many years for just, you know, to hear an I'm sorry that I did that. I'm sorry that, you know, that I made you feel that way. I'm sorry that I hurt you. I did not mean to hurt you. I'm sorry that I projected my own trauma onto you, right? Nobody's going to come back and say that. I'm never going to get that. I mean, sometimes, sure, that happens, but most of the time, the person who hurt you the most cannot be the one to soothe your pain because it's just most of the time not going to happen. You have to take control of your own healing and allow yourself to move forward. And for the longest time, I wanted to hold on to that pain, onto that resentment that I had, you know, towards those who hurt me. Because subconsciously, I thought, well, if I choose to forgive and let go of the resentment, then it makes what they did to me okay. Or maybe it means that what they did to me was not that bad. Maybe it means that what I went through didn't hurt me as much as it did if I forgive them. And I don't want that, right? I want them to know just how bad it hurt me. It's one of those things where I felt like if I chose to let go, heal, and move forward, then it would invalidate all of those feelings. But that's not the case. My pain and my anger was and is still valid, but I am choosing to no longer carry the burden of that pain and anger because it really does not do me any good. It just weighs me down. It continues to allow me to just project my pain and wounds onto other people and that's not fair. I can sit in my pain and just continue to let it hurt me and continue to just not want to move forward, right? And not see potential to move forward and just blame everything on everyone else outside of me. But what good does that do? I'd rather just choose to let go, forgive, move forward, and know that even though I choose to move forward and let go, that does not invalidate the pain that these situations and people have caused me. It just means that I am taking back control of my emotions and I'm choosing to move forward towards opportunity and growth. You have to choose to do the work and that's hard. Your trauma is not your fault. But it is up to you to choose how you move forward from here because no one is going to do the work for you. No one is going to save you. Unfortunately, if you want to attract healthier relationships, you have to choose to do the work to break those familiar patterns, those trauma bonds, so that you can have those healthier relationships, so that you can, you know, find happiness within. Because the way that our ego works is we seek out relationships that are familiar to us, even if they're toxic. Awareness is key and then doing the inner work to break those cycles is what's going to really bring you to that next level. All right, number three, self-check-ins when you are feeling stuck. What I've learned is that being stuck is an illusion. We are never stuck, but we can feel stuck But again, it's just an illusion of the mind. So what I've learned to do when I'm feeling stuck is to have a check-in, do the self-reflection. In order to get out of this stuck energy, we actually have to usually make a change somewhere. Whether it's a habit change, a lifestyle change, or letting go of something or someone that is no longer in alignment. So when you feel stuck in a cycle especially, 
the best thing to do is work on what's bothering you in that moment. Ask yourself, what is frustrating me right now? What is bothering me right now? What feels out of alignment? If I'm in this toxic cycle, what change do I need to make in order to break free from this toxic cycle? And this means that you have to be really honest with yourself. And sometimes we don't want to see the truth. Sometimes we don't want to see that the people in our life are toxic. Sometimes we don't want to be honest and tell ourselves, you know, this habit that I'm participating in is what's keeping me stuck in this cycle and I need to break this habit. I need to change this habit. Sometimes we don't want to do that work. We don't want to be honest, but that's the only way to break the cycle and break free from this this stuck energy that you're feeling. Maybe you find yourself repeatedly attracting people into your life that don't treat you well. Well, How is your self-worth? Do you believe you're worthy of a healthy relationship? Are you sticking to your boundaries? Are you prioritizing yourself more than your relationship with others? Have you actually spent the time to get to know yourself? Or are you afraid to be by yourself? Are you someone who's constantly craving attention from other people instead of giving that validation and attention to yourself? Do you feel like if you don't have a partner in your life that you're not worthy? Because that can be the case if you have self-worth wounds. Remember, the relationship that we have with ourself sets the foundation that the rest of the relationships in our lives are built off of. When you can figure out what's bothering you and then create shifts and changes that support working through those issues, you'll be able to then create change to those cycles that you feel stuck in. But again, First, you have to become aware of what's bothering you and what needs to change. Number four, let go of trying to control your external circumstances or other people and work on controlling yourself first. This has been a huge lesson for me. I always tried to control the chaos going on around me, but it does not work. You can only do so much. The only thing you truly have control over is yourself and how you react to your external circumstances and situations. There's this quote that I shared before that I still love, and I don't know if this is exactly what it is, but boats don't sink because of the water that gets around them, right? Boats sink because of the water that gets inside of them, that gets within them. It's so easy to let our external circumstances completely destroy us. Something can go wrong and it can instantly break us down and all of a sudden we're in this downward spiral. Or, you know, we could do the opposite. We could choose to react and respond to these situations differently. I think of life as one big test or one big game and maybe that's weird to do and maybe you don't agree with me on this and that's okay. But when I look at life this way, it's easier for me to not allow the external chaos to disrupt my inner peace because ultimately that's what I'm aiming for, finding that inner peace. So if something goes wrong, how can I respond and react in a way that's reflecting inner peace? It's so easy to want to just break down whenever life doesn't go the way that I expected it to go. But truly, what does that do for me? It puts me into this self-loathing mindset and causes that downward spiral. Now, I'm not saying do not feel sad or upset because it's actually really important to allow yourself to feel your emotions. 
but we don't have to live in them forever. We can feel them and allow ourselves to still continue to move forward. And I think that what I used to struggle with the most was trying to get people to change, trying to control the emotions of those around me, you know, with my people-pleasing tendencies. But that can actually be manipulation. So what's important to remember is that you can't control other people's actions. You can't control unexpected situations. Some things are going to happen that are out of your control, and it's really just a test of not only your faith, but a test of how you choose to react. Being aware of your reactions and choosing to react in ways that reflect your inner peace can be a complete game changer. All right, number five, embrace change instead of resisting it. When we talk about the new year, we are often are talking about setting goals that help us step into this new next level version of self, right? And stepping into alignment with the version of the self that we want to be is hard. But why is it so hard? Well, it's usually because we know we have to change. And change is scary and change is hard. Change can mean, you know, letting go of the version of self that was on survival mode and helped us survive. It's letting go of what's familiar. And our ego does not like that. It's like, how can we let go of this version of self that was on survival mode for so long? Because then, as you think about doing that, fears start to creep in. Like, what if I fall back into a place where I need that version of self again? Where I need to fight to survive? How can I just be at peace and live in flow, not fearing that survival mode, right? Not fearing that I'm able to just be at peace and live without struggle. It can be scary because that's the version of us that makes us feel safe. But it's also the version of us that stays in our comfort zone. To step into alignment with who you are and, you know, letting go of this version of self that is stuck on survival mode is hard. But I guess what it really takes is really just embracing this change fearlessly in creating this new version of self and learning to be okay when things go wrong and realizing that it's an opportunity for growth. It's really a test of trusting in yourself and the universe to provide and to trust that you've grown so much since you were a child that you no longer need to be fearful of the unknown. If something doesn't work out the way that you expected, it's most likely because it's realigning you with something better. Embrace the change. Embrace the lessons that come along with it. Let go of fearing it because accomplishing your goals and being who you want to be is on the other side of your comfort zone. It's facing those fears head on and knowing that you can and will achieve your wildest dreams. Number six, the truth about judgment. Let's talk about it because let's face it, we all judge. It's inevitable. We are human. We all have egos and it's just within us to judge. This is ego-based, but we need it sometimes because we need to judge certain situations to know if it's safe or not. We can't live without judgment, but we can become mindful and aware of when we judge other people and why. And a lot of the times we hold ourselves back because we're afraid of judgment from others. But it's so important to remember this. When someone criticizes you or passes judgment, 
It's usually because you are expressing a quality that they're rejecting about themselves. There's a quality about you that they are wanting to embrace but they're not able to do so due to their own self-rejection or whatever else. So it triggers them to make that judgment. Or, you know, they judge simply because their ego is unfamiliar with the quality that you are expressing. Like, let's say you want to dye your hair bright pink, okay? And someone is judging the fact that you dyed your hair bright pink. Well, this could be a reflection of them feeling like They could never pull that off, but they probably wish that they could express themselves in such a confident, bold, and unique way. Maybe they're rejecting their uniqueness, their boldness, their confidence. At the end of the day, what people think about you is none of your business. Their opinions of you don't matter. What matters is how you feel about yourself. So talk yourself up. It's actually insane how many of us tell ourselves that we're not beautiful, or how many of us will sit and criticize and reject certain aspects of ourselves. So I actually wanna challenge you to ask yourself, what do I judge in others and what is this reflecting back to me? Where am I rejecting myself? How am I criticizing myself and where does this stem from? Because oftentimes our self-criticism isn't actually our thoughts. It's thoughts that we picked up from society and those around us. We didn't just wake up thinking that we're ugly or unlovable. That's all conditioned through society pushing the ideal image of beauty at us constantly, like selling products to help us lose weight or help us with our acne and pushing photoshopped images on magazines and through our TV shows and movies. We then start comparing ourselves to these illusions, right? Saturn and Pisces energy breaking through these illusions of what we've been taught, just remember that you are worthy, you are beautiful, you are capable of what you desire. And judgment is just a reflection of how we feel within in our belief system based on personal life experiences. It's hard not to take things personally, but again, we have the power to choose how we react to other people's judgments about us. And we have the power to choose how we let it affect us. Number seven, stop trying to prove your worthiness. So I heard this quote the other day on TikTok and it really hit home. It said, maybe you enjoy the struggle because it's through struggle that you feel you can prove your worth. And oh my God, let me just tell you that this hit me to my core. Why is it that we feel like the only way we are worthy is if we struggle? because we are pushing ourselves to survive through the biggest of hurdles. With this mindset, it's like we subconsciously search for obstacles that we have to face and overcome because we believe that we are only worthy if we are proving to ourselves and others that we are capable of overcoming difficulties. But guess what? You do not have to struggle in order to prove your worth. You are worthy of not having to push yourself to your breaking point. Even if you aren't struggling, you are still worthy and you can still be proud of yourself for getting where you are, even if you didn't have to face as many obstacles. I mean, seriously, this is such a mindset that is very interesting to me. And I know some people might not agree with me, which is fine, right? This is why we're allowed to have different opinions on things and have healthy conversations about it. But 
we are all worthy because we are who we are. We are breathing. We are worthy. We are all connected and we are all one. And when you start remembering this, remembering that you don't have to prove yourself to anybody and you don't have to prove yourself to yourself in order to be worthy, you can break free from survival mode even just a little bit. I used to do this thing all the time where I would compare what I have gone through to what someone else has gone through. And I think that this stems from always being told that people had it worse than me whenever I was upset. So I would actually invalidate myself and my emotions because I believed that my problems did not matter compared to everybody else's. And I still catch myself doing this, where I have a friend, you know, who will vent to me about what they're going through and how tough it is, which it is, it's tough. Some of the things that my friends go through is freaking tough. So then when I have a problem that comes up, I start thinking, well, compared to their problems, how tough is it? I don't know, right? Like, I don't know if it's worthy of even like looking for support or because like, I feel like I'm in a way adding to their plate of stress. So therefore I just keep it to myself. I don't mention how I feel about it. I just keep pushing because other people are battling more. That's what I think. And then I feel like I'm just, you know, not worthy of my achievements because maybe I didn't have to fight as hard for them or whatever else, even though I still did go through struggles, but it's like, I'm telling myself, did I struggle enough? Do I have to struggle harder in order to be worthy of what I'm achieving? And that's a weird mindset to have, isn't it? And I don't even know if people out there listening even have this mindset that I do, but it's something that I ironically struggled with for a long time. And because of this, it's like I'm subconsciously attracting obstacles or seeking out difficult situations because I feel like I need to struggle and overcome the struggle to prove myself. But like, what the hell is that, right? Why? I shouldn't have to struggle in order to prove myself. And you actually see this narrative a lot with the older generations where they say things like, yeah, well, back in my day, we had to go through X, Y, and Z and we survived. So you should have to go through it too. Or, you know, stop complaining. You could have had it so much worse, right? But this is actually a toxic way of thinking, in my opinion, because it just creates this belief that our problems don't matter. Our feelings don't matter unless we struggle even more. And then we start subconsciously seeking out obstacles and struggles in order to prove that our problems matter. And again, to prove our feelings, to validate our feelings or whatever else. So honestly, hopefully I'm making sense with this, but this really stood out to me and it brought a lot of my self-sabotaging ways to my awareness. And it also reminded me of the fact that I continuously downplay my own emotions because I'm comparing my experiences with those around me I need to stop doing that. I need to just validate how I feel and know that it's okay to feel hurt, angry, and upset. Even if others have gone through more, you know, my pain in my situations do not invalidate the pain others feel in their situations and vice versa. And not to mention, we all experience emotions differently. What's easy to get over for one person can be a lot more difficult for the next. And who are we to say how someone should feel? Again, it's about controlling ourselves and not other people. And remember, you do not need to struggle in order to prove your worthiness. All right, lastly, number eight, which, sorry, I thought there was nine, but it's actually eight because I'm, yeah, I don't know. For whatever reason, I just came up with eight. So, lastly, 
Don't make other people the reason for your happiness. This is so, so important. Happiness comes from within. In the moment that you make something outside of you the reason for your happiness, that's the moment you give your power away. Because now this external person or thing has the power to take your happiness away from you. True happiness comes from within, knowing that you will always have your happiness and that you don't need to be dependent on anyone or anything in order to be happy. Because once you make someone or something else your reason for being happy, you will continue to chase that happiness for the rest of your life. Happiness is a choice. You choose to be happy regardless of external circumstances. And as you cultivate that inner peace and happiness within you, your reality begins to reflect that back to you. So there you have it. Those are the lessons that I learned in my 20s that have been game-changing for me. And I hope that this was helpful in some way, that some of this resonated with you or helped you look at certain situations in your own life from a different perspective. That's always my goal. I would love to connect with you guys on social media. I am at Close E-L-L-D-U-C-L-O-S on all platforms. I am sending you so much love. Until next time.